a big welcome to another in our series of monthly podcasts from St John's Church in Harpenden. I'm Ian Pritchard. And I'm Reverend Tim, the vicar. And actually, we're not in St John's Church. We're in a shed at the bottom of a garden, but it's nearly as good. And we're back again talking about things that are in the news and in people's minds. Now, last time we spoke, Tim, it was in the run-up to the World Cup. That's right, yes. And all of that's behind us now, all the hopes and dreams, uh, football coming home to England or Wales, that's all just lying in the dust there now. But we're in the run-up to Christmas, and so we've got that to look forward to. But what's what's been on your mind and what's been in your thinking? Well, on the same day as the World Cup final, and most churches changed all their services just so, just on the hope and prayer that England would get to the final, which sadly they did not. Uh, we held our nativity uh, presentation, our nativity service at St John's, um, an annual tradition and one which I'm sure many of our listeners would have had memories of either their own performances in a nativity play or perhaps of their children. Um, but and it got me thinking. Because we have one nativity story and most people think there's just one story of Christmas. Uh, But the truth is there's not. There's actually four Gospels, uh, stories of the good news of Jesus. And they're found in the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So as I'm here with Ian, and he's a long-term member of the church, I thought I would just see, and you might want to see your answers as well, where these different... um, parts of the nativity story come from within the bible okay so that's not fair but let's go now this is uh an easy one i'm hoping now we know one of the key characters in the uh story are the wise men but where do they come from which story where which gospel would you find the wise men okay so i've got a i've got a one in four chance here yep uh i'm gonna go uh matthew correct matthew (laughs) very good indeed now Another part which is uh, quite well known in the stories is this uh, census, a census where uh, Mary and Joseph had to travel from one place to another. Yeah. Where, which gospel does that come into? Um, well, I'm pretty sure it's not, I'm pretty sure it's not John, so I'm going to go Luke. That's correct, that's Luke. But interestingly... In Luke, they live in Nazareth and they go to Bethlehem, whereas in Matthew's Gospel, they're already in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is their home and they'd only travel to Nazareth later on in the story. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, So if I had to pick uh, the story, so the two main characters we know are Mary and Joseph and the angels speak to both Mary and Joseph and in uh, Matthew's Gospel, they only speak to Joseph and Mary doesn't say anything and in Luke's Gospel... They only speak to uh, Mary, and Joseph doesn't say anything. Wow! So there's a lot of variety. So actually, uh, when you've, if you were there on Sunday, or you've watched it, or you remember it, our nativity stories are a combination of three different gospel accounts. Now here's a here's an interesting question for you: Which regularly themed character, shall we call it, um, in a nativity play doesn't actually appear in any of the gospels? Um. Oh, golly. Okay. I can give uh, you a clue if you want with yeah, the sound. Yeah, do, do, do. do. Is, it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it an angel? No. No, no, okay. no. Angels are one of the ones that occur in all of them. I'll do the sound. The donkey? The donkey. That's you right. You're kidding me. The, the donkey, donkey is not in the Bible. Well, that's okay because Mary had to travel somewhere, didn't she? Yeah. Um, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, they're the ones where most of our familiar Christmas stories come from. But there's also a fourth gospel and it's called John. 
and that's the one that has in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and and all that and the light that testified was John. No, no, just all that. That is one of the greatest bits in the Bible. Well, it is, but it's not something that we normally portray on our nativity presentations. Fair enough. Because John is sort of uh, on, shall we call it, uh, another level of, uh, of meaning about light and darkness and the real meaning of Jesus. So whether you're coming to church or not, whether you're going to uh, go and come to one of our services and John's or somewhere else, even in the world, whoever knows who's listening... Um, don't forget, if you want to see where the story really happens, just lo- look at the beginning of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in your Bibles and see the story and what, what really happens. I'd very much encourage it. Oh, that's amazing. And and I must say, uh, I just obviously haven't been reading the Bible properly because I hadn't really tweaked that there were that many differences between the different Gospels. Mm. That's just great. Okay, so um, apart from getting ready for Christmas and all of the work around nativity plays, what else has been on your mind? Well, as a Christian, one of the uh, big uh, pieces of news that came out recently was the release of uh, census data from our 2021 uh, census. You may remember that. I forget what it was. A, A Sunday, I think it was, in March 2021, we had to fill out our census returns. Yeah, and we've been waiting for years, uh, or uh, just over a year, what the result would be. And one of the things that was really interesting was about um, the optional question about people's uh, how they identified in terms of a faith or, a, or or a spiritual belief. And the big thing that was reported in the news at the time, I think it was a few weeks ago, was that for the first time, the number of people who ticked the Christian box had dropped uh, below fifty percent, forty six percent. And there was a lot of newspapers saying. Oh, you know, isn't that sad? Uh, society's changing, the church is in decline, etc., etc. Very much um, doom and gloom. I don't know if you can remember remember that when that came out, Ian. Yeah, I do, I do. And uh, I mean, that's been the story for quite a few years, really. The story of declining numbers going to church, declining numbers of people. I think probably <coughs> saying uh, that they were people of faith. And at the same time, interestingly for me anyway, there's been, I think, uh, quite a a rise in almost evangelical atheism. And so writers like uh, Richard Dawkins, for Mm. example, Mm. have caught a lot of imagination, I think, among all sorts of age groups, but possibly particularly um, younger age groups in, in thinking that actually they just don't need to have a faith. And uh, I, I, I do get depressed about that because, well, obviously, I think that um, people are better for having faith. But maybe maybe I shouldn't feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I am not disappointed. I'm not uh, feeling woeful anyway. Uh, at, we used to have a, a fridge magnet that said, uh, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Um, so I believe that ultimately, whether we there'll be come a time when our will, uh, how we've lived our lives will be looked at, and um, I don't think uh, God is going to be judging us based on the fact whether we tick that box in the census. He's going to be looking at our lives and how we lead our lives. And I firmly believe that um, people can be of God. There's loads of times in the Bible where people act on God's behalf who are of different faiths and different religions, mm. and yet they still have a relationship with God. So mm. I leave that kind of stuff up to God. Um, I think also the other thing about the information is that a lot of the people, the largest, the biggest growing area was uh, those who had no religious uh, affiliation. But that doesn't mean they don't have some kind of belief in God or that they don't pray or that they are um, 
you know, perhaps not exploring or questioning. And I think it's great that people are not putting a tick in the box just because that's what they've always done or because, you know, I'd rather that people only did that if they were practicing, you know, they came to church. But um, the other way to look at it is that St John's Parish, so that south down, south part of Harpenden, has about 4,000 houses. Um, it's probably more than this, but if you imagine on average there's maybe two people, you know, minimum mm. two people per house, you're talking about 8,000 people. Well, if 50% uh, of those people went to church, there's 4,000 people who I would expect to come to St John's um, every Sunday. They don't, and, they don't, they we don't, don't get 4,000. We don't get 4,000, we don't even get 1,000. So there's lots of... So even those four, if all those four thousand sort of said, "Well, I've ticked this this box," and what does that mean? And and as a church, we should be ready to say, "Well, here, here, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? How can you get him on board? And and how can we do this thing together to to bring the reality into into being, mm. basically?" Mm. And I think people do when they are part of something that's beyond themselves and makes them feel like complete, which is what I think a relationship with God does. But Christianity isn't about signing up to a religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. Mm. It's not for me to say who or is not, especially the vicar. The days are those days are long gone. So, um, but I think it's a very hopeful time. People are open. There's lots of opportunity to share the good news and to talk about what it means to be um, a person of faith. I mean, even in the new year, I've been invited to a school in St Albans to go and speak about the role of faith and society. So. I think it's exciting. Exciting times. I'm not worried at all. Good, good. And how? Because uh, when, when you were uh, talking there about there being, um, let's say, eight thousand people in the parish, obviously the parish covers areas that are also served by other churches, oh, so yeah. Methodists yeah. and yeah. Uh, some of the evangelical churches. Mm. Um, do you know how they're doing, or um, do you not keep in touch? Yeah, there's uh, there's Harpenden churches. Church leaders get together. Normally, they have a breakfast and on a Thursday morning, which I can never make because of having <laughs> children. And they do try to do stuff together. And yeah, I'm always up for working close together. Um, but for me, I think the the great thing about the Church of England is that um, you know I have my area, um, Southdown, which mm. is where I'm sort of like the cure of souls, sp spiritually responsible, and that's my local area of ministry. Yeah. And you know, I I just want to work and engage with people. I don't you know. For me, you don't have to be coming to church or anything like that. People of goodwill and people who want to sort of make exciting things happen. And who knows what might happen in the next few years if we work together. Yeah, totally. Okay, Tim, so that's um, that's nativities and that's the census. Um, anything else caught your eye over the last couple of weeks? So there is one, one thing which is sort of more, uh, you might, for most people, might think it as a, uh, as a churchy thing, but actually it's a really uh, important thing in the life of church and that is about uh, equal marriage so um, you may know that if you're aware of the workings of the church that the the church's been going through this process called living in love and faith for the last mm -hmm. year 18 months where they've been sitting down and getting trying to encourage everyone in the church to really have difficult conversations about marriage and and what does that mean and relationships and, and sexuality and things like that and that process has come to an end and now the bishops of the Church of England are um, deciding how they're going to then bring that forward. So are they going to uh, allow, for example, um, clergy that would like to, to marry same-sex couples? Um, and I'll let you know that I am a member of clergy who would love to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think St John's is in favour of that as well. 
but anyway, they're coming to a time now where they're deciding what's going to, how they're going to take it forward, which probably when it does pronounce what they're going to say or make the newspapers. And so uh, I just wanted to sort of raise that as a, as a, as a topic that's coming up and just to say where I stand on it, which is firmly in favour. Mm. I know the High Street, High Street Methodist Church of, and the Methodists in general have allowed people, if churches, if they'd like to, to marry um, same-sex couples if they would like to. And I think they're equally created in the image of God just as I am. And why should they be denied the right of a faithful, loving union with the person they love? But anyway, more on that in the new year anyway, but I thought... I wanted to mention it in our in our podcast this week. Lovely. So, uh, just on the a technical point, then, um, Tim, is is this something which vicars are going to be able to choose for themselves, or is it something that churches are going to have to discuss in PCC meetings? How, how does how does that work? So, the process that works in the Church of England is that the bishops they call it episcopally led, so led by the bishops, but synodically governed. So the bishops decide the decide the direction of the church, but the synod, the general synod, which is like a church parliament, makes all the laws and regulations. And I can only do something. I've made a made an oath to only do the things which are lawfully lawful and honest and follow the canons, the laws of the Church of England. Mm-hmm. So I can't do something that I'm not allowed to do. But hopefully they'll put legislation towards general synod, which meets in February 2023, and that that legislation will enable those who hold a traditional view of marriage to have that as a traditional view of um, church teaching and they don't have to change if they don't want to but for those people who have and I would say also a traditional view of marriage in the sense to people who love each other want to commit permanently and faithfully in a stable way um, that should not be uh, discriminated against because of their uh, their gender or mm. sexuality mm. but my my, 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 thing, my my question was was also about whether um, it was sufficient, really, for you to say that you'll be happy to do it, or whether it needed to be approved by the PCC, or the yeah, PCC so doesn't have uh, much to say in it. So I'd imagine, yeah, might just obviously I represent the church as well, so that I would want to, even if it wasn't uh, required, to go down a, a line of sort of having a conversations as a church and listening to what people are make, making a resolution as a church rather than just as individuals that this is what we believe mm. um, and is the right thing to do as they've done in the Methodist church mm-hmm. um, so uh, but no doubt yeah so that there is a process which obviously it's not it's a I want people to move together not just have something forced upon them and I think you know even though I don't agree with it um, that people should be allowed you know to you know, not not have to be forced to change their views. I think you know mm. if they don't want to, mm. um, but I think you know they can't hold us back if others believe differently. I think mm. so. It might be controversial to some, and hopefully, but I think it's um, the most loving thing mm. that, that God would want us to do. Mm. Yes. So watch this space next year. Yes. Well, now there might be people who are listening to this who do have some thoughts arising out of that, Tim. So, yeah. if if they wanted to explore that, uh, can they get in touch with you? Yeah, feel free to drop me a, an email, um, vicar at johnsharpenden.org.uk. Um, I'm very much one for the basis of having a conversation. Um, it's very easy over the medium of radio to to hear what we we think someone's saying and perhaps it's not this is a conversation not anything pre-prepared so we might not always articulate it in the way that you know perhaps we would believe or want to if we had to write it down mm. so the best way to do it is just uh, get in touch and let's have a conversation let's talk about it but above all let's 
be respectful and loving towards each other, even if we disagree. Excellent. Right. Well, Tim, um, uh, as as we're as we're recording this podcast, we are steaming towards Christmas. And so just just remind us what's going on at St. John's over Christmas and and what happens between Christmas and New Year, apart from uh, everybody just collapsing onto the sofa and recovering, I guess. So depending on when you're listening to this, uh, so this is hopefully going to go out live on the 23rd of December. So on Christmas Eve, we've got our carols around the crib at 10 o'clock in the morning, which is a crib service. Uh, come dressed as a nativity character, adults and young ones alike. And we'll sing some of our favourite carols and hear the Christmas story. At three o'clock, we've got uh, Walking to Bethlehem, where we do tell the same story, but we start outside Southdown Methodist Church. And we walk all the way to St John's as we stop at different places and receive the hospitality of others as we uh, hear the Christmas story at Midnight Mass. Uh, That's 11.30 on Christmas Eve at St John's. Uh, There'll be incense used as part of that service. And then on Christmas Day, we've got three services, 8, 10 and midday. The 10 o'clock service, which is later than our normal Sunday morning service, that's 10 o'clock, and that's going to be our all-age service, and that's going to be busy. So there's lots going on. And then Christmas isn't just a one-day festival, it's 12 days. And in an ideal world, I think it would be great if we could carry on celebrating every day. But obviously, we spend so much time getting ready and preparing for Christmas that when we get to Christmas Day, we just um, need to um, have, a, have a break. So the church is going to be open every day. Um, you'll be able to come in and pray. But there won't be any um, services as such during that time. And then on Christmas, on the second Sunday of Christmas, which is also uh, New Year's Day, there's going to be a service at 10.30 in church, um, followed by celebratory drinks as we start the new year together. 10.30, how civilised for a New Year's Day. Just so for everyone who's been partying the night before (laughs) can have a bit of an extra hour in bed. Lovely. And then things get back to normal once we get into January and uh, we're celebrating Epiphany, which is the arrival of the Three Kings Mm. on the 8th of January. Wonderful. Wonderful. Everyone's very welcome. Excellent. Okay, well, Tim, that's all been fabulous. Thanks again for um, uh, joining me for this podcast and uh, see you again in the new year. See you again and hopefully see you on Christmas, if not before. And if I don't see you, I just want to wish you all a very happy Christmas and a very blessed uh, start to 2023. Um, I have also produced a Christmas message and you'll be able to find that on our YouTube channel and hopefully linked into this podcast as well. Excellent. Okay, thanks, Tim. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for listening, everyone.